Hi, everyone. Welcome to Survive HR. I'm Steve Nail, and I'm joined here by my lovely co-host. Oh, thank you. Kelly Shive. How are you guys today? Great. And hey, guess what, Kelly? We've got our what, two we got our two favorite attorneys with us today. We've got Chris Gantz Sorensen and Perry McClendon. Oh, I love our two favorite attorneys. We've recorded by ourselves. It was time. We were getting snippy. The last session you told me was nothing more than a complaint session. So thank you, Chris and Perry, for coming to referee between Steve and I today. We're glad to be here. And to truth, I have really enjoyed y'all's um, podcast where it was just the two of y'all. I've been listening to those and learning a lot from those and um, just just enjoying hearing y'all bounce back and forth off of each other. Well, it's time for some it's time for some mediation. So, Perry, how are you? You're quiet in the corner. I'm doing well. Thank you, Kelly. It's um, interesting times uh, in the uh, employment law world with COVID-19, but um, things are, are staying busy and happy to be back on the podcast. It's one of, the, one of my favorite things to do. The other day I had a meeting and I was telling, I was telling someone, I was like, good golly, like this has been a year. We were dealing with the wildfires that are like plaguing California. And I was like, you know, COVID, wildfires, like, what is next? Like, what on earth is next? There's, like, other stuff that's gone on this year that's just bananas. So, oh, good golly. So, I'm I'm ready for 2020. I'm ready for the do-over that will be 2021, I hope. I hope a lot. But we're still at home, right? I'm still at home, and today is my first day of virtual school with my daughters, and we've only had one meltdown. It was mine. Um, and... Um, good goodness. So last week we recorded an episode about what on earth parents are supposed to do now that their kids are at home. We want to talk more about remote work. We want to talk with Chris and Perry because HR professionals, it's got to be more than just complaining HR people like me. It's got to be like, there's legal stuff behind all of this, right? So Chris and Perry, talk to us a little bit about like what it is that we need to be aware of as it relates to all of these folks who are remote now and maybe remote for a while um I, we do we do have some great ideas and some you know classic legal thoughts that folks should think about but i'll, I'll say off the top of the um, my head unum did do a remote work survey and discovered that three-fourths of their employees were more productive or as productive working remotely only one-fourth were not as much and so i thought that was wonderful and they offer things such as full-time remote part-time reduced schedule job share um, split shift unpaid leave of absence with no attendance points or you know child care subsidies and it's it was um, an interesting study to read if an employer is going to offer remote work um, and you know really under the FFCRA EFMLA leave for those employers subject to the FFCRA they they really do have to consider whether or not they can, you know an employee can telework and if they can that is something the Department of Labor encourages them to offer but if they're going to offer it we recommend you have a written remote work policy and also a written remote work agreement with the remote worker where you outline a number of things that they um, need to abide by. For instance, if you're issuing company property, well, that would be the value of the property that they're signing for. And if you're in a state that, like South Carolina, that requires you to have a written consent before you deduct any money from someone's final paycheck or one of their paychecks, 
if you're going to deduct for people not returning um, the equipment, then you need to um, comply with South Carolina Payment of Wage Act and have that in writing and the amount associated with it. So those types of things are important to put in a um, in a document that they sign. Um, and then um, Perry, you know, what do you think? What sort of things do you think? Yeah, I think it's definitely a good idea to have both a remote work policy and probably a separate agreement that each employee who is granted remote work signs. I've been I've been talking with several clients about remote work policies and I think the the biggest mistake I see is employers uh jumping into granting employees uh, telework options w sort of without developing a plan on the front end. Um, I, I think you really have to think carefully about how you're going to do it before you just start allowing employees to do it on an ad hoc basis. Um, and, you know, human resources, um, I think IT definitely needs to be involved, um, as Chris mentioned, on the, on the equipment side. But, you know, all of the um, security and, and access, you know, issues that are involved with remote work and people's um, workstations at home, um, you know, all, all the relevant management of the employees need to be involved and, and, and sort of create a roadmap of, of what the policy is going to look like um, and, and figure out what employees are, you know, is, is this going to be offered to every employee in the organization? Are you going to only offer it to those who may need it as some kind of, you know, medical accommodation or for some legal reason like the FFCRA? Um, are you only going to allow exempt employees um, to, to take advantage of this or, you know, other managers, white collar workers, things like that? Um, and, and think about maybe the, the, the issues in, involved when you allow certain employees to do it, but, but others, um, you know, don't get that ability, not only discrimination complaints, but just general, um, you know, workplace issues of, um, you know, further exacerbating the differences in, you know, hourly and, and salaried workers. So um, a lot in there, but I, I think the, the primary thing is to make sure that you've got a plan in place before you start allowing employees to do it. Yeah, hey Perry, Chris, there's, I mean, these are all good points. One of the things, and I, I agree, you know, you've got to look at the the uh, employee relations issues and, and you know, if you start deciding that, well, we're not going to allow non-exempt folks, but in this time, there's, there's two points or two questions I would ask. One is, you know, you never hear much about these policies, um, you know, talking about, you know, not working. You know, it's always about the working side. And I think one of the problems that I think the productivity is is great for maybe a lot of reasons. But one thing that I've noticed uh, is that, you know, you're always on. I mean, I'm, you know, you're, you're I'm working, I'll work until 11 or 12 o'clock at night. When I get up, the first thing I do is start checking my emails and stuff. And there's no, you know, I don't have, I've never had an employer that's told me not to work as, you know, in, until I can, in, until I about drop over. But... <laughs> there could be something like that. And the other thing is, have, is there any um, uh, movement, I guess, to change or look at the way, I mean, obviously, you don't want to have to pay overtime for folks. So if they, if they are um, non-exempt, 
about really actually accounting for the hours that they work. So instead of saying like you're, well, you start at nine and you end at five, you know, it's like, well, maybe we, we work two or three hours and then you know, you're only accounting for the time you're actually working. So that way it gives you more flexibility during a, a, a longer type day. Um, but it also, and, and you don't pay overtime. So I don't know if that's included in what you're saying or not. So, well, I'll, go ahead, Perry. Go ahead. All right. Well, I was just going to say that the, the non-exempt employees who are who have to record their time, and the employers are responsible for recording all hours worked and paying overtime for any over forty. That continues to be the biggest obstacle for remote workers. Um, obviously, there's going to be some positions that just require an in-person presence, but. Um, for those workers that are that are non-exempt who theoretically could work from home, those do present the, the biggest challenges, and, and we have seen that. We've seen, um, unfortunately, situations where employees who are granted work from home access who take advantage of the rules and you know claim that they were doing work at you know seven or eight at night, and if the employer doesn't have uh, you know, adequate monitoring systems in place to see if the person was, you know, actually putting together any work product or logged onto their computer or, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, you could find yourself pretty easily in a in a Fair Labor Standards Act lawsuit. I mean, I would love to see some federal legislation around, um, you know, non-exempt workers and, and figuring out. Um, you know, some way to, you know, whether it's adding an additional classification under the Fair Labor Standards Act or um, loosening up the rules on, on some of the, you know, the, the strict pay, as, as you mentioned, Steve, and figuring out some, some different ways to, to pay. Um, I've been talking about that with the, you know, employee independent contractor thing for a long time. And un unfortunately, I, I don't think Congress has any appetite to move to amend the Fair Labor Standards Act, um, but that, that that's definitely, to me, one of the biggest challenges with remote policies. Yes, yeah, it's, um, it's part of the whole, the whole thing, you know, the, the law, you know, society and the workplace changes more rapidly than the law does, so there's always that lag. And I, w I would love to um, jump in, too, with some more practical ideas. I think that these, this day and age, IT has a lot of ways to determine whether or not um, someone is actually working. So apparently, you know, some some type of work lends itself to, you know, the certain number of keystrokes. They can tell when a screen is um, absent. You can, or, or someone's away from the screen, it's not being used as much. I mean, some types of work already geared that way long before COVID came um, because they already use remote workers. I mean, their remote work has been around and therefore these companies that have been doing it well, especially the really large ones, wouldn't be doing it if they weren't able to do it in a way that was profitable to them and productive to them and they weren't able to keep up with time. But for those companies that don't have that, those um, software resources or the funds to have those or procure those software resources, you can also, you know, have in your agreement, you need to be at your desk between this and this. You don't, you can't be at the grocery store while you're doing this. We need you to be available. Um, and, you know, you can require um, Zoom check-ins once a week and 
um, or as many as, as much as you need to. You, there's things that employers can do, especially if the supervisors are able to be staying on top of that a little bit better. And then, of course, there is software that um, requires you to log on and log off and record your time. You still have those policies that protect you, too, that um, say you can't um, do overtime. You can't do any overtime work unless you get approval. You still got to pay them if they work overtime, but our recommendation is always if people do that, even with, if they're on the ground, that after a period of time you let someone go after they've been um, if they've not violated that that requirement, you know, several times. So we've been talking a lot about remote work and like how to encourage it and all the legal things that you've got to do to make sure that you're doing it. But some employers are just not feeling it, right? Some employers are like, no, COVID needs to end and the employees need back in. I'm not saying I'm one of those employers, but I'm saying that I've heard it, right? And some employers, like Amazon is building a bunch of office spaces. Perry, you just posted an article about this the other day. Um, and it, they may look different, but they're obviously they're banking on people coming back into an office. So, you know, on March 16th, sent everyone home, the world started to shut down all around us. How do you pull back remote work now, especially if you're proving that employees are more effective? Like an employee can come to you and they're like, I'm more effective, I'm happier. How do you pull back? And do you run into any issues pulling back? Well, I think that one interesting thing that I saw, the, the New York Times had a whole section of its Sunday newspaper this weekend sort of talking about working from home. And one of the interesting things was out of some one of the surveys they cited was that most employees do want a, a mix of ability to work remotely, but also to come into the office. Um, and so I think Amazon's, you know, decision buying up all this, you know, real estate space in cities across the country for their employees to come work. You know, I, I think I do think that is going to look a, a lot different. Um, I don't think that's going to be there for most employees to sort of be there clocking in nine to five. I think it's going to be a lot of shared space and reserving time and, you know, sort of not monitoring when employees you know, come in and out and, and that type of thing. Um, I, th I think directly to your point, you, you know, you've got to make clear in the agreement that you sign with the employee that, um, you know, work from home is a, is, is a privilege. Um, you know, it's a, it's a company benefit that's, you know, offered at the company's discretion. It's, it's not a guarantee for anyone. Um, and that the company of course reserves the right to, um, revoke it if it's not working or it's being abused or business needs dictate it. Um, but, um, you know, that, that's just from a, from a legal standpoint, but from an employee relations standpoint, um, I, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think that um, if, if you've got employees that are productive and, and happy at home, it's going to be hard to get them back into the office. I think they're going to go look for a job, you know, somewhere down the road with a company that's willing to offer them that flexibility. Yeah, I, I agree as well, but I, I can certainly see, you know, you even see it in even some of the HR circles that we speak to, Steve, just some people's absolute unwillingness to be flexible. And, you know, especially if you have essential workers that are on site, you know, their their opinion is, well, they're on site, we're all on site. And um, it's really I, I was having a conversation with my husband this morning as I was getting kids off to virtual school. Um, so I was sitting them down. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how, how I did it before. 
Like, I don't know how I got up and got dressed and, and, and went into an office every day. And I feel like I'm working considerably more now than I did before. And I feel, I personally feel like the company, my company would be losing hours of my productivity if I went back into an office full time again. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of what happens as the tide turns with COVID. Well, Any final comments, Chris? Well, I think you're, I think you're, I think you are, are right on it, uh, Kelly, because so many companies. That's right. You heard it. Third time. Third yeah, no, I know. But I mean, no, I agree. I've, I've always, I mean, I've agreed with what you said for years, and that is that many companies uh, have very antiquated thought processes about people being, you know, you've got, if, in order to be productive, you've got to be in the office, otherwise you're not. And that's just not the case. Steve, Steve I had a knockdown, drag out fight with you <laughs> after I had Logan. Because I asked you to work one day a week from home, and you pitched a fish. Well, that's because I like spending so much time with you, Kelly. I couldn't do it without <laughs> you for a day in the office. <laughs> well, I bet you, Kelly, that Steve is like all of us as time goes on. He um, develops different attitudes and grows from prior experiences and changes his position. But I will Logan say. Five, Chris. Logan's only five. This was five years ago. He pitched a fish. If it had been an employee that I really liked, I would have said yes, you know, quite readily. But, you know, with Kelly, oh, no. no. <laughs> well, I would, I would say this. Do y'all remember right before COVID what we were talking about, the tight labor market? And um, yeah, and that will come back. Yeah, it's a long time ago. It feels like several years ago, but that will come back. And I think an employer who is interested in attracting the best talent, the brightest talent, um, you know, that was already something that um, a lot of folks were um, looking at for in their work prior to COVID. If they want to keep up with the times and get the best folks and not get left behind, they're going to need to figure out how to um, keep that as an option. I agree wholeheartedly. I agree wholeheartedly. I've actually been so impressed in my company's ability. We're always remote. Um, like our leadership team is a bit remote and it's just been, it's actually been remarkable. I've just, I'm so, so pleased with how, I mean, we are just kind of always in, always in touch and it's really nice to see we don't have to be in person to still be very much engaged with each other um, and, and the rest of the team. So. And you're, well, and you're, and you're, you're, you're really a good example because you're on the East coast and the corporate headquarters is on the West coast. So you're, you're not even in the same time zone. And our CEO is in Chicago. Okay, great. Yeah. So yeah, let's accomplish. And and our VP of Sales is in Florida. So um, it is yeah, we're we're kind of all over the place, and it's um, I mean, it's nice. It's really nice. And y'all are saving a lot of money by being remote and connecting on virtual ways rather than traveling here, there, and everywhere too. There's all kinds of things you can pitch about why it's a good idea. Oh yeah, I know for sure. Sure. I think there's lots of I think there's a lot of benefits. Um, but doing it the right way and the legal way is I think something that was very quickly forgotten because we had to do it quickly. So HR professionals, listen to Chris and Perry. It's time to relook at what you did and what you did and you had to do in a hurry. Um, because we had to get our people out of there and we had to make sure people were safe. Um 
but it's time to relook at policies and even your people that are out. I, Chris Perry, you would agree that even your people that are out, you want to you want to put them on plans now, if if this is going to yes. be a thing. So, and I don't. I honestly like I didn't think about that. I wouldn't have ever thought about that. Um, but now that you know we have a moment to take a deep breath and COVID isn't going anywhere, um, I think that that now is the time to think to think through those things. Yep, I agree. Well, Chris Perry, thank you always um, for being our favorite attorneys. And our sponsors. And our sponsors. I love Hainsworth Legal Avoid, and thank you guys so much for sponsoring the show. It, it, we, we could not do this without you, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, y'all. Keep guys. up the good work. We love the show. Uh, all right. We've enjoyed being here, and we'll look forward to listening to the podcast, whether we talk or only y'all talk. Oh, oh we argue. <laughs> or <Thanks> argue. <laughs>